0: welcome to Alternative Reviews for Skeptics, where I dissect and review everything from the cradle to the grave, all with a sceptical slant. And in this week's episode, I am going to be reviewing the topic of the singing voice of Lane Staley. So I think to start this episode, just in case you don't know who Lane Staley is, I will just do a really brief biography as to who he is and the bands he was in and what happened to him at the end of his life. So he was the lead singer of the band Alice in Chains. Now there's a lot of dispute over what kind of music they made, what genres they fit into. Some may say grunge, others say hard rock, others say metal. There's a lot of dispute as to what kinds of music they made. But he was in that band from the late 80s through to 1996. And in 1995, a year before he left Alice in Chains, during a hiatus in that band, he was the lead singer for Mad Season. And unfortunately, they only ever released one album, which is really sad because it was a really, really good band. But the band Alice in Chains actually regrouped in 1995 at the end of the year and they made a self-titled album often referred to as Tripod and this is due to the three-legged dog on the front cover which apparently was owned by Jerry Cantrell. On the 30th of July, 1996, they made an MTV Unplugged. And I have to say, it was one of the best ones ever. And I say one of the best ones because I have a top three. For me, it is, in no particular order, Nirvana, Placebo, Alice in Chains. They are all equally as fucking amazing as the last. I would definitely, definitely go and watch them. You could probably find clips on the internet or you can buy them on DVD. I just watch those because they are absolutely amazing. And Alice in Chains, they actually split up in 1996. In 1998, Lane Staley then went on to record a cover of another Brick in the Wall, which was originally by Pink Floyd. And he recorded this with a supergroup made up of members of other extremely well-known bands of the time called Class of 99. And in the same year in nineteen ninety eight Lane actually recorded a couple of songs with Alice in Chains for the music bank box set. They are really really good songs, but by this point, his drug use had caused lots of physical problems, and one of them was a lisp due to uh, losing teeth. so the tracks that he recorded they actually had to be really heavily edited to try and edit out the lisp that he had quite a prominent list but unfortunately even due to the editing if you go and have a listen to the tracks Died and Get Born Again you can actually hear that on those tracks. He made his last public appearance though in 1998 and his last interview was I believe a phone interview in 1999 and after this he became extremely reclusive and all he did according to a reports of people that went to see him he played video games he took drugs he created art and that was what he did and mike Starr, who was the former bassist for alice in chains was reportedly the last person to ever see lane staley alive and this was on the 4th of april 2002 and that was actually mike Starr's birthday so he went to visit his friend but sadly, the following day, Lane Staley passed away on the 5th of April, 2002. A lot of people say it was the second time that Grunge died. The first time was in 1994, when coincidentally, Kirk Bain died on the 5th of April. So there's very much a connection there with the 5th of April. But Lane's body, despite him dying on the 5th of April, wasn't actually discovered until the 19th of April, 2002. So now you have a brief biography, a bit background. I hope that you might perhaps look into some of those bands, have a listen. Let me know what you think about them. Let me know if you think they're really awesome or they're not your sort of thing. And let me know on Patreon, where I can be found at Alternative Reviews for Skeptics. So now we've had that biography, I will go on to talk a bit about the singing voice of Lane Staley himself and some of the background of his his singing voice. So when he was about two or three years old, he joined a rhythm band in Bellevue, Washington. And when he was nine years old, he wrote that he actually wanted to be a singer. So from a very young age, this is somebody who really knew what he wanted to do. Hats off to him. I mean, I'm... Getting on a bit now And even I don't fucking know what, I still know what I want to do It's it's ridiculous really isn't it And I do really admire people Who know from a young age What they would like to do with their life But sometime after writing That he wanted to be a singer It has been said that he then took singing lessons From maestro David P. Kyle I think that that hasn't been confirmed a lot I have read a few books about it And he's. I'm sure he was mentioned in them But the type of voice that Staley had, he had a tenor singing voice and his vocal range sat, if you understand music jargon, um, you know, that that is excellent and it will really help you with this bit. That was in the middle of the second octave and it went all the way up to high into the fifth octave. And this is also described, apparently, as EB2 to A5. So if you understand what that means, I unfortunately don't, but I did find out that information for you. And this is in the range of high baritone to alto-contralto or mezzo soprano And his vocal technique, which he practised, included breathing from the diaphragm, he tuned and shaped the vowel sounds that he made, he sang with a balanced onset, He pronounced his consonants or articulated his consonants properly and he had resonance placement as well. Apparently, if you want to sing like Lane Staley, don't just try and simply copy off the bat. You need to actually learn this singing technique in order to do it. So there we go. And during live performances, and I find this absolutely amazing... He can actually make his voice sound almost exactly as it did on the recordings that they made in the studio. I think that is absolutely amazing. There's a lot out there who use auto tune and I'm not you know, I think that to make your voice sound like it did in the studio when you're performing live on a stage is just absolutely amazing, isn't it? But he did this. He did he control he was able to make that happen. By having full control of the distortion and rasp sounds that he made As well as being able to effortlessly move in and out of distorted and clean tones During recording though, and I really like this effect that he put on records He would layer his voice on tracks So he would sing different takes of the same song in different styles and then layer them one on top of each other to get that effect. And if you go have a listen to some of the songs, especially I think some of the more some of the later songs, you can actually hear that effect really, really well on them. But Alison Chains' music, in general, it encompasses several genres. Some argued, obviously, as I've said, that it's grunge, and others more metal heavy rock. But despite all that, whatever style it might be, to you. Staley's voice suits all those genres, doesn't it? It really does, and it was very versatile. And Billy Corgan, the lead singer of the Smashing Pumpkins, he actually said of Elaine Staley's voice that it was amazing and had such a beautiful, sad, haunting quality. And I, to be fair, I totally agree with him. I really do. But now I'll go on to a bit about my own experience and thoughts about his singing voice. So I initially got into Alice in Chains when I was in my mid-teens and I actually read an article in a magazine about them and it just intrigued me. So I had to go, this is before streaming services, I had to go in search of their music and the only way I could do this was to walk into my local town and to the music shop, buy a CD. And I actually, I think, amassed all of their major albums that they released by doing this, and I listened to them back to back. I just immediately took to his voice, really. It's unique, but not in an esoteric way, a bit like Billy Corgan's, I suppose. It's not for everybody. That this actually, because it encompasses several genres, I suppose. The songs, depending on the genre you think they are, his voice suits them, and therefore, you know, you probably like his voice because of that. I also really like the thoughtful lyrics, though, in the songs. At the time that I started listening to them, I was in my mid-teens, I was a little bit innocent, a little bit naive, and I didn't really know that most of the songs actually that I was listening to were about drugs. <laughs> and um, my mum never heard me listen listening to any of these songs, so she didn't cotton on to what I was listening to, luckily. as uh, so I may have had my entire collection actually taken away from me. But I was 18 in 2002 when Lane Staley passed away and I do remember reading about it and feeling very upset at the time. Uh, He had a tragic backstory. It may sound like a cliche but some of the things I could relate to though me and him had actually taken different paths in being able to cope with these events. I did consider though, due to my age at the time he died, I was 18, I could have bought a passport and actually travelled to Seattle, to his condo in the University District of Seattle, which apparently is a pretty seedy place to live, I wanted to knock on his door and help him out of the situation, but he didn't really accept much help from family or friends, so a scruffy 18-year-old English girl was probably not going to help him at all. He probably really wouldn't like that. Probably would have freaked him out, to be fair. But Alice in Chains albums are the only ones I can listen to to back-to-back and repeatedly. If I was told that I would have to be put on a desert island, I could only take the music of one band with me, it would definitely be Alice in Chains, because I could listen back-to-back to to albums all day and never get bored with them. I find so much, every time I listen, so much different in the songs, so much uniqueness. It is just albums that I can listen to over and over again and always find new stuff. And not many bands have that kind of power. They really don't. But the vocals, the harmonies and the guitar parts on them, the guitar solos, they are all really good, I think. In my opinion, that's my opinion of Alison Chains. But back to his vocals. I think the good points are he can hit notes in a raspy way, which can add intensity to the actual songs themselves. And the songs, they're so catchy, they're so easy to sing to. I think that's the way he delivers them. His vocals, his lyrical delivery is just so catchy. His voice also, as I've said, it's versatile. He can sing perhaps the more melodic songs, but he can also sing the more grunge and the slightly heavier, probably what would be considered metal songs without missing a beat in any of them. And I don't really know how many singers, especially now, who can really do that anymore. His harmonies with Jerry Cantrell are also absolutely bloody hypnotising. They really fit together in a smooth way. The layering of vocals that he uses, that just adds dramatic effect for me. Because he would sing several versions of the same song, he'd layer them. And it just adds that richness, it really does, to some of the songs. And also, this isn't his singing voice, but it is his humour. And it is well worth a mention because it does come out in several of the songs and it adds a more light-hearted kind of effect to the songs. For example, and apparently Jerry Cantrell really fucking hated this, is Lane Staley wanted at the end of the song again to add a toot-toot noise, which he did, he actually managed to. And honestly, it just adds that light-heartedness to the song that perhaps you need at the end of a heavy song that is about drugs, I believe, as um, quite a few of the songs are. But sceptically, his voice might not actually be for everybody. It might not be everyone's cup of tea, and it is very individual preference, I suppose. So for people who are more into pure, unadulterated pop, I suppose it wouldn't be a very good fit, because it is very heavy, it's very raspy, it's very dramatic. Some of the songs as well, I think, come across as pure pantomime songs. I'm sorry to say this to diehard fans of Alice Jones. I am actually, an I fan of Alice in Chains, but I do think they are a bit pantomimey, like Queen of the Rodeo, for example. That can be a bit difficult to listen to, for someone like myself who really likes the much more reflective, deeper songs that they have produced. I also think some of their earlier work, the demos on Music Bank, Lane Staley is finding his vocal style. It's slightly in the start, more bluesy, more light-hearted kind of tone to it than some of the later songs some of the essence of this did i think spill over into the album facelift which is their first album but the songs on that they have that more intense feel which then alice in chains perhaps became known for really As the albums go along as well, you can chart the path of his addiction and the songs do eventually become so extremely dark. Like the later songs, Get Born Again and Died, and this might be a bit too much for the average rock fan who just likes sing-along, light-hearted songs. They are very, very dark. Sometimes there is vocal training, and I've no criticism of people who have vocal training, I really don't, but it does come across in the songs as a bit polished, it really does. Without that raw edge, sometimes, like some of the other bands of that era and that genre had. For Elaine Staley counters this, just with the sheer power of the delivery. He has that absolutely booming, raspy voice. And it just gives me fucking chills. It really does. absolutely love it. And then we move on to William Duval, who obviously you may know is the new lead singer of uh, Alice in Chains, and he joined them in 2006, and apparently he only had one audition, according to Jerry Cantrell, and they knew he was right for them. I must admit I have seen him live with Alice in Chains, and I actually heard his vocals drifting on the air as I was walking up to the arena at a festival. And as I walked up, I instinctively knew that I might not entirely enjoy this new lineup that I was watching. I had listened to their first album, and it was Black Gives Way to Blue, and I didn't really like it. And I suppose I'm an old-school Alice in Chains fan, you know, and this, for me, it was uh, it was not what I was kind of hoping for, I suppose. Although William Duvall's voice is good, it doesn't have, I suppose, the same quality as Lane Staley's did, the same powerful delivery and raspiness, and as I watched them live, I did feel that there was something missing in his vocals, and that it didn't surprise me when I heard that Alice in Chains had changed their sound when he joined. I really didn't find that very surprising at all. But in conclusion, I think I am a bigger fan of the band when Lane Staley was lead singer, And their later work doesn't feel as inward-looking, and it doesn't really have the same kind of quality to it. I do, however, think that Jerry Cantrell's solo albums are worth a listen. Because his voice I like as much as Lane Staley's, Boggy Depot and Degradation Trip are both definitely albums that you should go and listen to. If you want to have a really good representation of some of his solo work. Elaine Staley's voice, though, I think his vocal training is something that I think really helped him to set himself apart from other musicians in that area of America around that time. A lot of them, they were raw and they just went and did their thing, but he had that sort of polished effect. It did, you know, lend him that perhaps slight upper hand, in a sense, to some of them. And a lot of the music that was made around that time, it could be a bit raw and chaotic, whereas uh, Alice in Chains, they were very well-rehearsed, very tight band, and obviously Lane Staley had that vocal trained to back him up, and so it meant that their music perhaps was a bit more accessible to other people who didn't want that traditional grunge edge. Although, as I've said, Alice in Chains do straddle music genre lines. I think, basically, Lane Staley had a unique voice. It was versatile, His singing voice, it was able to convey his lyrics in a perfect way with a focus on the imagery and the intensity of delivery really, really did bring that imagery to life. And this is something, I have to say, that a lot of musicians, they do strive for, but they do entirely miss the mark. Sorry to say that. I'm not naming names, so I don't want to get in too much trouble. But, uh, yeah, that's what I think of his voice. So thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed the podcast please follow, share, go to Patreon and I can be found there at Alternative Reviews for Skeptics. In next week's episode I will be stepping away from my usual programming and it will be an episode called A Parallel Universe. I will be stepping into that parallel universe and I will be asking the question how would Winnie the Pooh survive if he worked in the adult film industry? Now, that is massively bizarre I know. It is a bit well, it's totally far removed from what I would normally do, but that, I think, just would add a fun element, and if you like that sort of fun kind of weird fucking shit, then just go and listen to next week's episode when it comes out. Thank you for listening, though, to this week's episode, and I shall see you next time.